it's huge. It's huge. I, you know, I kind of said this. I don't, well, if I didn't say it to you guys, but um, <laughs> when all this was going on, you know, and, and everything with New Orleans, because I was, I, I thought, I thought that was going to be gone. I was going to be happy as hell for him. I, I would, but but the thought of losing him is like, I just had this feeling of like, uh, I was going to be walking around with any pants on. <laughs> so I would say that, that uh, not having HE. Um, there is a comfort level, uh, so I think that you kind of told us that. Says it he is uh, more than worthy uh, of being a head coach. He's more than qualified of being a head coach in this league, and uh, and I'm happy to have him. And we're and we're lucky to have him. We're fortunate to have him as our defensive coordinator. So, but yeah, I'm glad he's back. Well. There you have it, <laughs> Ken Campbell, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, it's first week of OTAs, Ben. You know, they, they opened the doors on, on Thursday for our first look at the full squad. What you just heard was Dan Campbell talking about, of course, Aaron Glenn, who is becoming something of a, a darling, I guess, in you know, the, the coaching world in the NFL. I think he's got to be, at this point, one of the hottest head coaching candidates in the league. He interviewed for the Jets job two years ago last offseason so i guess last offseason he interviewed for the jets job and then this offseason with the broncos and saints hasn't gotten one that is i think to the lions game because you know ben as you know and these players just um rave about the work he's done and how you know how he's made them better expectations are rising for year two uh, with this defense six new draft picks you know a, a new scheme a new philosophy up front four-man front attacking front i guess ben like what are your impressions from what you've heard and, and seen so far from the lions defense heading into its second season with with aaron glenn i agree with everything you said i mean he's in that next tier of next guys up if it continues on this trend absolutely i mean i just you know I've, i said it earlier in the week on the locked on lions podcast and just like aaron glenn and aubrey pleasant still being here with the lions is such a huge gain for this young defense and i mean listen that's genuine dan campbell right there i mean you don't say stuff like that unless you mean it and then it's just we'll get into glenn's comments later but i mean it's just that's genuine and it's believable and i mean you see it on the field i don't know just seeing the way glenn was reacting to like the end of practice yesterday getting in there the energy the energy is just off the charts we said it time and time again you've said it time and time again I mean they made lemonades out of like dry ass lemons last year and it's just like there's a lot more to work with on that defense this year so the optimism should be high for improvement on that side of the ball without question yeah hopefully everyone keeps their pants on but I think there's a there's legitimate reasons to be excited about where this defense is going and you mentioned the energy I mean he's break dancing at the end of practice you know <laughs> not well, he should probably not quit his day job, <laughs> but it's something that we've heard time and time and time again from players, you know, over and over. It, it, it's just interesting, Ben, to, to consider the juxtaposition between them hiring a defensive-minded head coach who was supposed to get them over the top. And Matt Patricia comes in and spends the better part of three years trying to jam this square peg into a round hole. He, he you know, he's got players playing way out of position, which confuses the hell out of them. And if you test these guys off the record, and in some cases, Tracy Walker on the record, they'll tell you as much that they were overwhelmed by like what they were being asked to do because it didn't make sense. They were just spending so much time on the field thinking as opposed to reacting. And I guess you could juxtapose that with Aaron Glenn, who comes in and just cuts these guys loose simplifies assignments all across the field. I think I would say if I was to boil down like the philosophy in year one, it was stop thinking so much and just play. And we saw a lot of 
development across the board, players getting better. Tracy Walker with a big bounce back year, Charles Harris with a career year, you know, rookies like Lee McNeil playing well beyond what was expected. Jerry Jacobs is probably one of the best undrafted guys in the whole league. And to do that at, at cornerback is pretty impressive. And I guess as we go into year two, as Glenn said during the draft weekend, Ben, you know, the honeymoon is over. And I think he knows that like he gets, he gets moral victories for what he did with the trash personnel last year and, and was stripped down even further because of COVID and injuries and whatnot. But that honeymoon is over now with Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick in the fold. And you got six draft picks on that side of the ball overall. And he had a second year with this, with this system. And, and now he's tweaking the system to fit that personnel. And I, I guess that's probably something that, that would be interesting to talk about with, you know, more four-man fronts. They, they keep trying to minimize it, but I think there's more going on than, than they're letting on. More four-man fronts and, and more of attacking front. And Listen, like we've only seen two hours with the practices so far this year. So it's really hard to say definitively what that's going to look like. But every player is talking about it and how much they like it. They anticipate getting more pressure on the quarterback. And Ben, <laughs> if that two hours is any indication, I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a focal point of that pass rush as, as expected. Three consecutive sacks at one point during two-minute drills. Uh, did it against second, you know, second-team offensive line. So don't put the dude in the Hall of Fame quite yet. But a lot to like on that side of the ball coming out of Allen Park. And for a defense that fell into some of the deepest depths ever in the NFL's history, it's, it's, welcome, it's a welcome sight. I really appreciate how Campbell and Glenn kind of explained the attacking scheme, like the message they're trying to get out. We're not just telling these guys to sprint forward and shoot every gap. We just want to attack more. It's an attacking technique. And I mean, the way Glenn got into it is just like saying it's more about the players instead of sticking to a true scheme. And that just goes along with, I mean, my first two years on the beat, it was trying to stick to a scheme over players no matter what. So just like he's looking at his personnel and he's making changes with it. And it makes a ton of sense because Aleem, that is one athletic, big, big, big bodied man. And they got a couple of those guys. And I, I mean, like you said, there's no pads on or anything like that yesterday, but you see it and you see Hutchinson's high motor and you just see the defense just pushing the issue a little more into the backfield. And I agree with you. I think there's a little more going on with that change, too. It's a little more than just four-person fronts. It's going to—I think we'll see some interesting looks at linebacker this year. But, I mean, you hit it on the head. I mean, just listen to the way Glenn talks about the change in the roster. It's just, uh, man, I'm a football coach. I'm a football coach. I go off of what my players show me. Talked about going back and watching the tape. If you were a fan of this team, that's what you want to hear. That's what you want to hear. A coach that's able to bend his scheme at the players that are on his roster. I mean, three sacks in a row for Hutchinson. We ain't seen too many of that at all, pads on or off in the last three years. So, yeah, it was an interesting little look at that, uh, the, the little tweaks to the defense. Yeah, with just going back to Aaron Glenn, you know, and I mentioned the square peg round hole thing with, with Matt Patricia. He's always forcing a scheme on the players, and now you juxtapose that with with what you see Aaron Glenn doing. And I, to me, it's it's remarkable. I mean, I think as a coach, it's easy to rely on the familiar. It's uncomfortable to, to forsake that, I think, in some ways with what you've done your whole career, with what you like the most. And Aaron Glenn likes three-man fronts. And now he's going into this year where he is one of the hottest coaching candidates in the league. A good year from the Lions and especially a good year from the defense and he could be a head coach next year. This is a really a crucial season for him and in this crucial season he's moving to a front he's never coached before and I think that really speaks to the confidence he has in himself and I think it really speaks to his aptitude as a coach. He used the word selfless and I think that's an apt word. He you know it'd be easy for him to do what he likes and loves and knows best and it's 
dead, he's coaching something else because he believes it's what's right for this personnel and this defense. And I think that does say a lot about him and his selflessness, given where he's at in his career and what's on the table to move into something that's unfamiliar to him. And he, he has familiarity. I mean, he's not dumb and he's been around the league a long time and he's seen a lot of different looks. He knows how to run a four-man front, but he hasn't done it in a long time. He's never done it as a coordinator. And now he's doing it in a crucial year for him in this defense. You know, I, I think it says a lot about Aaron Glenn. And I think it also says a lot about this team and the personnel and what, what they believe they have on their hands. And I don't think Ben, you or I think this is going to be a top five defense, but they don't need to be. I, I think this offense, if Jared Goff can be competent with the pieces he has around him, like I think the offense could be pretty good. I mean, we talked about it quite a bit this offseason with the offensive line, you know, that you can do a lot with an offensive line like that. And I, I think the Lions can score points this year. They got that speed on the perimeter now. Like, I think they're going to hurt some people. Their defense just needs to be able to tread water. They need to be competent and get some stops on like, you know, fourth and 19, like they haven't in the past. And that's where this defense needs to get this year. And if they can do that, with this personnel, I think the Lions can make, you know, they can make a run at a wild card spot in the NFC. I, I think that's a realistic possibility for them. No, I'm with you. I mean, we each had them at nine and eight in our way, 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 way too early game by game predictions. There's nowhere to go but up for the defense. 29th in the league on third down, 29th in the league on fourth down, 31st in the league on the red zone. And we're talking about Aaron Glenn this way after a showing like that. I mean, that speaks volumes about the way he coaches those players, what he was getting out of some of those guys. And yeah, I agree with everything you said. He screams head coach in this league on the current trajectory he's on. It, it, you get into it and you look closer at like yesterday's press conferences talking about the switch to three-man, four-man's front. That's a versatile coach. That's a guy, like you said, that has a lot of confidence in himself. We talked about how much closer this offense was than it was getting credit for, and that was before they added Jamison Williams, and that was before they signed DJ to the outside. It's just so easy to see a path to improvement for that offense. And like you said, no, nobody is saying this is going to be a top-five defense. I don't believe that. I don't believe anybody truly believes that outside of Allen Park, but it's really easy to see this team pushing for a playoff spot in the NFC, inside the NFC North, if this defense can be top 20 at third down, top 20 on fourth down, top 20 in the red zone. That's doable. I think that's attainable. I think there is some legit talent on the edges, and there's a legit opportunity to see improvement from some of these guys, not even just the guys coming back from injury, but guys like Charles Harris that have, like, clicked thoroughly with this staff, and guys like Aaron Glenn getting the most out of guys like that. There's opportunity for more of those guys to rise this year. And if that happens, gosh, we could be talking about a potential over 500 team in December, possibly for the first time in forever. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a really, really long time. I mean, forget over 500. They haven't been out of last place in December since 2017. Yeah. And that's a real stat. I looked it up. So then we've gotten a, a, our first look at the full squad. You know, minus some guys who weren't there. Hawkinson wasn't there. Brockers, a few other guys. But it was pretty good participation. I mean, I know Hawkinson was here earlier in the week. But first impressions, you couldn't walk away from that field without having an impression of Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick, and why they loved him so much, right? I mean, like, we saw the production at Michigan. Goes to combine, blows it up. He's obviously a top shelf athlete as well and i guess on day one it, like before i even took a rep i was just looking on night you know 90 approximately 90 guys out there and it's like god he's tall i mean yeah. he's just big he might be the biggest guy on that team and i, I mean maybe dan skipper is but like <laughs> he's right there i mean he's a giant he stands out as a giant even among giants like he like he's got the girth and then i listen to aaron glenn talk about what he's seen this first week from hutchinson talks about his you know his speed is just something you 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 can't miss and then, uh, you know, Glenn was talking about how on day two, in the middle of practice, he pulls over his defensive line coach, Todd Wash, and just, is just like, man, just look at this guy work. He just doesn't stop 
working, which, you know, goes back to, to the motor thing that we heard all about coming out of Michigan. And then there was the production, Ben, and, you know, they're easing Hutchinson, just like all the other rookies into things. So he was doing a lot of work with the backups, but he was disruptive, disruptive as hell. And they get to the end of practice and they're doing two minute drills. And I can't remember if the quarterback was Boyle or Blau, but first play, man, because he's in the backfield. Second play, man, very next rep, he's he from the interior spot, like same deal. Third, you know, the next play, back to back to back plays, sacks, two of which were from interior positions. And again, second team offensive line. So make of it what you will. You know, it was May 26th, the day of that practice. So, I mean, there's a lot of... Yeah. There's a lot to be said and to be done before he actually suits up for a game that matters. But the early returns are, are exceptional. That's what you want to see from a number two overall pick. He looked overwhelming against NFL caliber players. That's what you want to see from a number two overall pick. Obviously, he has a lot of room to grow and a lot of things to learn going forward. But, man, there's a lot to be excited about, I think, right now when it comes to Aiden Hutchinson. Man, he is so much bigger than I expected him to be. And I think it was Taylor Decker that said it immediately when he was asked about it. It was like, he's a lot taller. He got a bigger stature than I was thinking i mean it, it's true he was standing next to the behemoth dan skipper and he looked like he belonged next to him it's just like you said and it's just goodness i we've said high motor way too many times over the last three months when talking about hutchinson but it's it's true so get used to that word because like when they're lining up to the line he's a full sprint to his spot whether it's inside outside i mean most rookies don't have an off switch in these early practices they're all trying to play 110 percent, bring all the energy they can but there's just like a different there's, I don't think that guy's ever hit an off switch, but yeah, that, that, I mean, it's impossible to watch yesterday and not think, wow, Aiden Hutchinson, because like you said, he was in the backfield every single time. That's like the main observation from the on-field stuff is Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, what else was there in a late May unpadded practices? The guy was pinning his ear back and doing every single thing they're going to need him to do this upcoming season. Well, there's some personal stuff going on that, that yes. is interesting. And that this time of year, you're, I mean, I would say the first 60 to 70 percent of that practice I, I was you know not gleaning too much and then they got in some team stuff and it was easier to maybe see some things that were going on but you know this time of year you can see the seedlings of what they view for roles for certain guys and a guy like will harris who has been a bottom bottom rung safety since entering this league he's gotten a lot of run because of the lack of depth but th that date you know those days could be over right they just signed deshaun elliott they drafted uh, kirby joseph out of illinois in the third round they're moving um, the third round pick from last year to safety or at least tinkering position meanwhile moving will harris to cornerback which is a position ben that we saw him play down the stretch last year when there was a bunch of injuries and that he played some in the slot and just a little bit on the outside and I think he played better than I expected for a guy who, in fact, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Cardinals game was his first game at cornerback. And that was the Lions' best, I think that was probably their best defensive game of the year. And that big surprising win against the team that was then leading the division, the NFC West. And I think he played pretty well. Like, I think Will Harris showed more at that position than, than we expected. And now it looks like the Lions are tinkering with the idea of moving the guy to cornerback full-time. I didn't see him take a single rep at, at safety. So that's one interesting development I saw. And who knows what will happen when, you know, Jeff Akuda is not out there, Jerry Jacobs isn't out there. When those guys come back, I have to imagine those guys are going to be, you know, the corner backs along with Amani or Warrior. So it could be a numbers game and maybe Will Harris doesn't even make this team, but if he does, it might happen at cornerback. Yeah, it was. Uh, just looking here, it was the Arizona game. And I mean, those last four games of the year when he was mainly at corner or slot corner in the nickel were some of the best football. Uh, no, I'll just say it. It was the best football I've ever seen Will Harris play. So it's just like, I don't think he's got a great chance going into this season just because it has been so dreadful. But I mean, 
if he has a chance, it's going to be in a rotational corner role. I didn't see Harris with the safeties at all. Malifon, who kind of was with the corners for a second, but he was mostly with the safeties too. And that's really interesting just because I remember we kind of asked Aaron Glenn about that last year and he shot it down. But then after the late season game in Atlanta, he referred to him as their matchup guy. We want him to be one of our main guys. They used him on Falcons tight end Kyle Pitts mainly in that game. So it's going to be I mean, Malafon was a different type of corner anyway, so that makes a lot of sense to me. He's 6'3 with those lanky, lanky arms. Like you said right there, what's it going to look like when Okuda and Jacobs are back on the field? Because there's kind of a underrated logjam at the top of that room when you've got guys like Harris and Malafon. Who, who, I mean, Malafon was going to make the team. To be determined on what Will Harris is come two months from now, but I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's just really interesting to see a guy who didn't get to play much his rookie season as a cornerback. And now he's coming into the this offseason getting some work as safety and stuff. And he did say the Lions brought that up in their pre-draft meeting with him. Other teams brought that up. So it's something that's been on the back of his mind. But when he arrived here for OTAs, they said, hey, we're going to do it. We're going to try it out. So we'll see if that sticks. Like you said, we're in late May. The pads aren't on yet. But, like, he's getting some looks back there. I think they're going to try and find ways to get Malafonu on the field more so than Will Harris. I think that should be the kind of goal moving forward i mean you got to get that kid some reps third round pick for a reason he's got some really really unique attributes to his game that i would want on the field for sure but yeah hutchinson and the db shakeup that's uh that's something to watch no doubt because that safety room even with the joseph and elliott additions you know there's there's a potential hole there with one of those guys going down so two uh more quick topics and, and we'll get out of here first ben campbell called the the competition a linebacker a bloodbath implying that you know there'll be good competition and good players maybe not making the team are you buying or selling a, a bloodbath that linebacker i'm selling the bloodbath you know i mean that's the one hole on this roster that's just kind of a giant question mark to me and i understand what they're trying to say that competition's going to bring the best out of these guys but i mean you look past alex anzalone jared davis those are two giant question marks at the top of the room and they're followed by nothing but question marks behind them. I think James Houston's going to bounce around a little. We'll see what happens there. But it's like, gosh, I mean, it, it, it's as high as you can be on Malcolm Rodriguez. It's still worrisome to say that there's a clear path to playing time for a six-round pick. So it's just, uh, you know, I, I understand what they're trying to say, and I understand why they love Alex and Jared as locker room leaders and stuff. But I think I said it yesterday. I said, what's going to happen when those guys combine for 11 missed tackles in the opener? That's the biggest hole on this roster, in my opinion, outside of quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not buying it at all. You know, I, I realized Campbell's just saying what he has to and he trash his own position group. You know, so I have no problem with what he said. But from outsiders, as outsiders, we're looking in, like you can't help but have question marks at that position. And, and maybe they'll prove us wrong. The improved play up front, the anticipated improved play on the defensive line should make things better for them. Those guys should be able to flow the ball up better. And I think the attacking style will do well. I think it suits Jared Davis better. And I think it will suit those linebackers a lot better, especially Derek Barnes. I think he's a good physical player in the box, but really, really, really struggles, you know, in pass coverage. And so that style, I think, is going to suit him better as well. But when, I mean, you nailed it, Ben, and I don't have to belabor the point because I think you covered it, but when you're like presumed starters to guys like Alex Anzalone and Jared Davis, who's already run out of town once, and maybe Derek Barnes, a fifth round pick from last year who struggled in a lot of ways and has no real experience a quality starter in the NFL. Jared Davis, for that matter, I mean, it's at his best, kind of the same for Alex Anzalone, and that's your, that's your high watermark. And then you got like Chris Board, I guess, could be in the competition too, a, a special teams guy from Baltimore. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a bloodbath in terms of the number of bodies they have there. Like we just, like none of the positions are settled from top to bottom. Like we don't know who who's going to emerge in any of those positions and who's going to make it, who's going to get cut. 
but that doesn't mean it's a bloodbath, which to me implies that the quality, like like receiver, I think receiver could be a bloodbath because you got DJ Chark, you've got Amon Ross St. Brown, you got Josh Reynolds, Jameson Williams. Those four guys are making the team. And then you've got Khalif Raymond, who just had a free two-year free agent deal, who's probably going to make the team. He just had a two, two-year two free agent deal and he's your return man. That's five. And you're not even to Quintez Cephas, who has shown a lot of good stuff at receiver too. And anyone else on the, on the team, that to me is more of a bloodbath than what's happening at a linebacker. Lastly, Ben, you know, and we, I just touched on the offense a little bit, but I, I guess first impressions, what you see, what you saw from the offense on the, you know, our first peak at OTAs. Amon Ross St. Brown remains himself, you know, I mean, he's explosive, he's energetic. It was, uh, it wasn't a great day for the quarterbacks yesterday. So that makes it hard to judge the rest of the offense when that's going on. But, you know, I mean, I, like you said, the, the, the true bloodbath battle for reps is that wide receiver. And once Jamison gets on the field, whenever that happens, it's going to be fascinating to watch because Quintess Cephas I think he's lost a little weight. We haven't got a chance to talk to him, but he looks thinner. He looks, gosh, here I am checking off a TikTok box. Best shape of his life. I'm not going to say it for him, but he looked to be in really great shape yesterday. And gosh, yeah, like it was the sixth guy you named, which is kind of ridiculous to think about where we were at that position talking about it a year ago. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's it's weird to me to see the same three quarterbacks in the same spot they were last year after seeing how that went. That's the one thing that I got there. And I'm like, wow, it really is just the same three quarterbacks. So there's always that cap there. But I mean, yeah, I was staring at Amon Ross St. Brown and just thinking, yeah, this dude's the real deal. You can just see it. I mean, just the way he attacks things. Him and Hutchinson have like the same energy where on the on the field, like 100%. Yeah, interesting because for me, like Amon Ra, like he looked like himself. I, he didn't really stand out to me one way or the other. The guy who stood out to me was a different player at that position. That's DJ Chark. Like besides Hutchinson, Chark was the guy that caught my eye the most on Thursday. You know, in that first OTA that we, that we saw. He's so big yeah. and he's so fast. And he's healthy now after playing only four games last year with the ankle. Last healthy season he had, he had a thousand yards for the Jaguars, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, with Arter Minshew as the quarterback for him, I mean, I don't know much. I don't know if Goff's much of an upgrade or not, but that, it, it just demonstrates that guy has ability. And we talk a lot about Jamison Williams, and I get it. Listen, like Jamison Williams was one of the most exciting players in, in all of college football last year for me, and that was before the Lions drafted him. I'm really intrigued to see what that guy can do, and his speed is like insane. <laughs> It'll be fun once he's healthy. But I think because of all of that, we kind of forget DJ Tarek ran a 4-3-4 like just a couple of years ago. And by the way, I think he's 6'2", 6'3", somewhere in that range. You know, he's he's going to be a deep threat for the Lions, particularly before Jamison Williams is on the field and he should hit the field within a month or two of the start of the season. It'll be kind of interesting to see how they deploy you know, Chark Williams and, and Reynolds, but man, I, like DJ Chark looked really good to me yesterday. He's fast and he had a couple of nice deep balls, one of which where he just, I mean, he just put Will Harris on skates and that was like a 40 yard bomb, but it'll be really interesting to see what, what Ben Johnson, the new offensive coordinator, who by the way, was calling plays or seemed to be calling plays yesterday, you know, does with that new personnel and that new speed on the perimeter. It's good no, stuff, Ben. I mean, yeah, it was it was fun to get our first look at the team. Absolutely. And like, I'm glad you brought up DJ because that was like Barnes for you. That was the name that was like slipping my head. He was so much faster than I was ready for yesterday. So it's just like, absolutely. Good stuff. Good stuff all around. Okay. It's, it's Memorial Day weekend. Let's go. Not talk about football. <laughs> Have a good weekend and stay out of trouble. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. 
Thanks again.